Hey everyone, today's episode is speaking about Numi Steins' book, Welcome to Sex. There is discussions touching on topics such as molestation, grooming, pedophilia, rape and sexual assault. Um, so if any of those topics bring up anything for you, please give this episode a miss. We also have resources in the show notes. A listener production. This podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past, present. We extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. I'm here with the incredible Yumi Steins. I'm fangirling a bit. Mm-hmm. I've watched you since I was in like year one or something. I've watched you on TV since I was a kid, Yumi. And um, I'm fangirling even more because of your amazing series of books that recently has had disgusting backlash that we're going to talk about. You've got Welcome to Consent, Welcome to Your Period, Welcome to Sex. What am I missing? Welcome to Boobs. Boobs. Boobs is the one that I always miss. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I miss the one. Maybe because I'm very well acquainted with mine that I, that I just presume we all, you know, for kind mm. of the womb, acquainted mm. with boobs. But thank you for coming on, Yumi. Mm, thanks for having me, So Abby. excited to meet you. Mm. First question, welfare check. How how are you? Thanks for the welfare check. Yeah. Yeah. Quick one. Yeah. Because you've been getting death threats, a lot of hatred. For those of you who missed it, Yumi has a book, Welcome to Sex, with Dr. Melissa Kang. It's a book for kids aged 10 to 15, you've mm-hmm. said possibly mature eight-year-old, and it's like a picture book but a, a quick reference guide almost. Yeah. It's kind of like an index. Yeah, it's it's basically a resource for people who want to talk about sex, maybe with their kids, or they're so awkward to talk about sex with their kids that they just want to hand over the resource and mm. say, you lead. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's basically an explanation of what various things are. So what's kissing, what's tonguing, you know, Mm. how do I tell somebody I like them? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of questions kids have like, um, what's fingering? Yeah. And a parent might turn to absolute a column of stone when their child (laughs) asks them that question. Other parents would be fine, but, you know, it's all variable, right? So it's like having something where the the parent who's, who's frozen can say, oh, actually, I've got something that can help us talk about what you're asking me and I can give you a frank and real science-based answer. Yes, it's a fabulous book. I mean, I got sent it when it came out initially. I've looked through it. Obviously, I do know a lot of the things, but <laughs> I've, 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 I'm not, not going to go, I read it back to front, like me going, what is fingering? But I've looked through it. I thought it was fabulous when it came out. Yep. And then recently, the likes of far-right, anti-trans, racist, what group are we calling these people? I guess they just... They're called cookers. Right, okay, we're calling them <laughs> So there's cookers, <laughs> official term, yeah. and people like Ben Fordham who were starting this, this, started this hate campaign towards you to boy, try to boycott to get the books taken off shelves, specifically at Big, Big w. w. Now, first question, mm-hmm. are you okay? Because this has been wild. Yeah, it has been wild, Abby. And you know what's funny is I came a little bit like you from a reality TV background. Mm. I auditioned to be on Channel V back in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And at some point I was like, God, it's just so political being on TV as a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the hate. Maybe I'll go somewhere safer. Like literature. <laughs> Like the safe and cozy world of book writing where people don't threaten authors with murder and rape. (laughs) And I have been like, since the dust has settled a bit, I've been laughing a little bit that, you know, if anybody was going to be at the centre of a storm of book burning Mm -hmm. and witch hunting, it was going to be me. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's how I would feel as well. We're similar in that way. If it's anyone, yeah, you're you're the type of person to get there. Why is that? Because we don't shut up, I don't think. Oh, I thought you were going to say because we're so cute. Oh, because we're so cute and smart. <laughs> Everyone's intimidated by how smart people, and wonderful people and strong are we are. by that. And we don't shut the fuck up. <laughs> we feel the need. I know, maybe because we call out injustices or we call out things that we feel. But I think as well maybe this is, well, tangent already from mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's as well because I, I think I say things a lot of the time and I don't even think that it's going to be controversial. Like mm. I'm sure writing this book you're going, education, resource, welcome to your period, welcome to your boobs, mm. welcome to consent, are all, you know, very well received. Of course, sex is something that's equally as important, if not more important, those topics. Did you think it was going to be responded to this way? Because I can't 
I would go, yeah, cool. Let's talk about fingering. <laughs> so that's, and that's why I would get into. And that's why you're at me, And why you're me stuck. Yes. So I, the thing about being a broadcaster and being live and doing TV and stuff, as you do, is that you can slip and you can say that thing where you're like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. And mm. I wish I'd had a, a, a few seconds to gather my thoughts and say the right thing. Mm-hmm. But with a book, you have months to say the right thing, to really mm. weigh up every word. And if you're not sure, to call the professor mm-hmm. who knows this stuff mm-hmm. inside out and has spent her entire career mm-hmm. making sure she gets it right. So mm-hmm. the messaging was very carefully gathered and put together with a huge amount of thought. Mm. So for people to say this is bad or this is wrong, I'm standing on pretty solid ground. I don't mm. feel insecure. Whereas if you say something flippant... Yes. You can sometimes go, oh, yeah, I could have done that better. But this was yeah. very, very well thought out. Yes. So we're, we're okay. But the anticipation of a backlash, it was something that was on the table. Okay. But yep. this has been something from the US playbook of absolute wild reactions, mm. completely conflating one thing with another, um, accusations of pedophilia, which yes. is, you know, in 23 years of broadcasting, that's new. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a brand new. That's time. new for yeah, me. Yeah, new. But you know, there's always a different thing someone's going to say to you. But this is a this is a, it's in the far right playbook though to just say anything they don't like groomers, uh, drag queens, yes. queer people, and they they've moved from saying you know twenty thirty years ago everyone gay is actually a groomer, a groomer. or a pedophile, mm-hmm. and they've realised they know too many gay people in their lives are starting to meet actual people that are queer, mm. and now it's oh, well, I don't meet many, many drag queens. I don't know many trans people, so they must be the groomers now. Mm. And then now it's Yumi Steins is the next logical choice, apparently, for daring to speak about sex. Yep. And when you hear that about yourself, it's so shocking. Mm. Like you, it is actually like being winded. Yes. You, you would do anything to not hear that accusation, yes. to deny it, to justify yourself, and you lose your breath. Yes. You're in such a hurry. But then when it comes maybe one or two, three hundred times more, you, it starts to lose its power. Okay. And that's the thing that some of the sex educators who contributed to the book talked about with me behind the scenes during this furore, that to to disempower or to take to kind of cut off at the legs a word like pedophile mm. or groomer is actually giving power to groomers and pedophiles. Yes. Because the accusation stops meaning anything. Yeah. It dilutes what the actual word yes. means. It's just saying to anyone flippantly, well, you're a groomer, you're a pedophile. Yes. Yes. So whereas, you know, uh, I would have been shocked or, you know, absolutely aghast at hearing that word, Mm. 300 times later I'm like, well, it's meaningless now. Mm. And the rest of us, I think for the rest of our culture, people participating in our culture, Mm -hmm. it's it's starting to become less meaningful. What some of the educators have explained to me is that it's a a concerted effort Mm -hmm. to disempower these words Mm -hmm. so that groomers are enabled and pedophiles can get away with it. Yes, yeah, because then just someone that wrote a sex book is on the same plane as someone who was genuinely harming children. How do you tell the difference between yeah. the two? There's no way. So that part of it, the actual quote unquote, I don't want to call it criticism, it, the, the 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 bullshit that people are saying about mm. you being a groomer. I mean, I, I understand the feeling. People think that when you're called out, like when I was very pro-vaccine, people would say, are you okay? And I'm like, no, because I know that I know that I've thought about this. I've, I had a whole series where I pay. I had doctors come on. We did a series of answering myths about the vaccines of different doctors and scientists and nurses and, and things. Um, so I was like, no, I've like you. I've gone to the professionals. Mm. I've asked them about this. I know that I'm right. But the thing that got to me, and I, I, I presume will get to you, is the threats of violence against you. And I've also seen racial attacks as well. Yeah. So when did they start coming in and have you ever had that before? Mm. Yeah, I've had it before. Yeah. So when I started to feel it coming in, which was probably about a month ago, it was just a slow build and it started Mm. in South Australia with some right-wing Christians. Mm. Um, I started to feel quite triggered about the time that had happened back in 2011 when I made a crack about Ben Robert Smith who is the war guy who's mm-hmm. been subsequently accused of war crimes and there's been a big okay. um, court case, a defamation case about him being accused of war crimes. So I made a crack on TV just saying I didn't find him particularly attractive and he looked like a bit of a bimbo. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> die, Yumi. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how dare how you? How dare I? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So, so that was on The Circle, which was the show that Chrissy Swan worked yes. on. She wasn't on it in that season. She luckily made her escape from mm. it. Um, <laughs> but I hadn't. And so I was on and I said this thing and it, it resulted in a real storm being whipped up by right-wing AM radio guys. Mm-hmm. People like Darren Hinch were oh, really, you know, beautiful. yeah, deli- yeah. Those delightful people. Yes. And so it was, again, people who didn't see the show, didn't know who I was, but they listened to this radio getting very exercised. Mm-hmm. How dare this little Asian woman. Sorry. <laughs> it's a little, oh, the little yeah. caveat oh, as yeah. well. Because it's, they're so annoying when they're little. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you don't see many big Sorry. ones. <laughs> But uh, it was like, she can't criticise our war hero guy. Like, that's just not on. And it got. She has to want to fuck every, every single, single person that ever went to war. <laughs> she needs to want to fuck them all. Right. Because they went to war for us. How dare you be so ungrateful? So there was a. It was an awful time, Abby. It was, it was probably worse than this time. There were so many more threats of violence. The violence was much more creative, it was much mm. more rapey. Involved my children. Oh it was very much about um, getting sacked from my job. Yes, because at that time, because I have the privilege, I guess, of having now a social media platform that everyone goes to to clarify things that you can go to. Now if there's a bullshit article about me or there's something that's taken out of context, mm. I can go on my socials and go, what a fucking joke. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. But in 2011, that wasn't the case, even though it was only – 12 years ago. Mm. So that would have been more stressful, I imagine, because you didn't have a right of reply almost. No, and I felt so misunderstood. Yes. And, you know, in ways you do have the right of reply because we're doing live TV, so we could have said something on live TV, but I was like a deer in headlights. Mm. I didn't have a sense that I could say to the producers, can I can I use this yeah. platform to explain what happened? I just wanted it to go away. Yeah. But I think as well, it's a one-way conversation TV to audiences. You don't know mm. what their feedback is. So I'm not sure. For me, I, I, I can't imagine. Like when I do things on radio, I still don't feel that sense of relief because I'm not getting the DM response of saying, you know, we agree with you. Please don't stress. Like you've done, you haven't done anything wrong. You still just feel like you're talking into the ether and you're like, I hope this lands with someone mm. who thinks that I should fuck all of Australian war heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone isn't. Can someone else have that job? <laughs> yeah, <someone>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but also you may have been more protected from the vitriol in some other way, but no, 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 not at all. Great, not right, at right, all. Okay. So it was awful. Yeah. yeah was it was awful. totally awful. Can I just say though about that, Abby, just as somebody who's been around a little bit longer, mm. you know, waiting for the feedback from social media, sometimes it's better not to. And sometimes you just need a, a, like five really fucking awesome friends mm. that you absolutely trust as weather banes. Like they, they've got a read of the situation. They've got a read of you mm. and they know their own moral core. Yeah. And so they can tell you, actually, I think you did fuck it up a bit. Yes. And you can absolutely wear that and take it from them. Yes. And know where they're coming from, which is a place of love, but also their own spiritual and ethical stronghold, you know, and you need people like that around you. Taking it from the public, I think if you get enough people, you can kind of get, well, this is what the public think. Mm. But what it's sometimes it's not Right. It's like survey says. Yes. <laughs> survey says everyone still fucking hates you. <laughs> Don't kill yourself. But so this time was was easier to deal with in, in theory, but there's, I guess, more directly to you. This time it was very triggering. So yes. I called a couple of people right from the get-go. I called Michelle Laurie mm-hmm. and I called Chrissy Swan mm-hmm. and said, I said, uh, mm. fuck, what the fuck? And then one of the things that I found really helpful was for them to say, you, you, you're really triggered from when this happened 10 years ago. Yes. So I could go, okay, so this reaction that I'm having, it's about this, but it's also about that. Mm-hmm. And then another person who was really helpful was Lauren French, who was consulted for the book. She's a sex education specialist mm-hmm. and she's also a body safety educator. Mm-hmm. So she goes to schools and tells kids how to stay safe. Mm. So she got on the phone and said, don't forget how many smart experts are quoted and consulted in this book and don't be afraid to call on them. Mm. Because when you're being threatened and people are saying, I want to kill you, you don't want to say, well, here's my best friend. (laughs) Do you want to kill her too? You want to protect her, right? You want to just keep her in the shadows. She was saying, gather them up, bring them forward, 
point to them. There's mm. professors, there's lawyers, there's a mm. doctor who's at North Shore Medical mopping up rape cases who was consulted mm. for this oh, book. God. So don't be afraid to gather up the sisterhood. And there were men there as well, mm. but gather them up and point to them and point to their expertise and rely on that as your credibility. So that helps you have more perspective of, of what was going on personally? Yes, or did you feel and like it, it gave me permission publicly? to point to them because yes. I don't want to put them in danger. I don't no. want them to expose. And a lot of people were like booksellers were, but anyone just putting a post about the book in support of it was also targeted mm. and called awful things. And, you know, you and I are kind of match fit for this stuff. Yeah. We've heard it before. We've seen it before. Yeah. But if you haven't, it can knock you off your feet. Like Absolutely. Someone's calling me a cunt because I've got a book in my shop. Oh, yeah. Cunt's, cunt's fine. See, cunt <laughs> with us, like, like, we're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm a cunt. Yeah. I'm an evil bitch and I should die. <laughs> wow. At least be fucking creative. and like, But, but yeah, some poor, you know, small bookstore owner yes. or someone that wants to support you online. Like I someone saw someone who's got a book club, like yes. <laughs> book club runner. Don't and they and they're going, fuck you, yeah. fucking bitch. Pig filth. Yes. Oh what pig filth is That's a new one. Oh that's great. Yeah. I like yeah. They, look, they are getting synonyms involved. I quite like that they, they they're evolving in some way. It's quite cute. I also loved I didn't love, but I do find it funny when people on the right they'll want to protest something and there's a video there's videos of people like burning your book yeah which makes me laugh because I would have had to buy the book to, to burn the book <laughs> it makes me it makes me very joyous and that's their little fuck you Yumi yeah. you're like thank you for the coffee this morning <laughs> <laughs> so bad for the environment bad for the environment don't do that but also you know you're an idiot you're an idiot give it to salvos do I want a dramatic video then going I'm donating this I'm aggressively <laughs> donating this book uh, to Salvation uh, Army one of the things that happened with the pile on from 10 years ago was a guy sent me a dog shit in the mail wow. sorry it's not funny but that's the most that's that's a cooker right that's a cooker no but here's the best bit when he posted it he didn't have enough postage on and they sent it back to him so he had oh. to <laughs> <laughs> Return to sender. Yeah. Return so he had to go back to the post office <laughs> and put the right amount of postage on before it reached me. And he had his return address on it. Dedication. <laughs> was it in a box? Was it in I never, I don't you know. know. I never, never opened, opened it. He <laughs> went, I'm okay. Thank you. I know. But I just thought, like, that's, you know, that's. <laughs> So sweet. Like, it's really no, it's thoughtful. Caring. No, that's thoughtful. Yeah. Effort. Not a lot of men putting that much effort anymore. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> should be the bar is really on the floor. So, so um, Big W ended up pulling the book from their shelves in store, but it's still available online. Mm. Am I correct? Yeah. And I heard an interview with you that you said that you fully support Big W in in taking the book off the shelves. Mm. Tell me about that. I've been in retail. Abby. Yes. Not yes. fun. Yeah, yeah, I've been hospo, so I'm similarly like defensive yeah. of the hospo staff. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, you're on the front line. You're getting paid minimum wage. If people are yeah. coming in and threatening you, I think that yeah. it's, it is absolutely paramount that the corporation protects their staff. Yes. So they sold out multiple times of the mm -hmm. book online. Mm -hmm. They've continued to order it. The book has gone to reprint. Yes. So Big W haven't lost anything. It's a shame that the customers can't walk in there and walk out with the mm -hmm. copy, but it only takes a couple of days postage and the staff are safe. So I think it's a win-win. Or there's Dimmicks. There's Dimmicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's also, is it in Kmart or no? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah, so look, there's other places to get it. Like, <laughs> I don't know why they were so hell-bent on Big W. Like, they I were very, like, wouldn't they call for an entire boycott rather than like Big W Big specifically? W. They're on our side. They're, I can feel it. Someone <laughs> at Big W is going to. But I, I agree with you. I, I initially was really angry about it. I was mm. like, fuck, why the fuck would they succumb to this? It, it seems ridiculous. It's an education book. But I heard you explain it that way on this podcast that I listened to with you and I, you know, completely agreed. But does it make you worry? Because it worries me that now these people feel they have the power to do that. Mm. That's the only thing. I agree that retail staff should be protected and, like you said, you can get it online. Still, they didn't take a stand against you. But does it worry you that they might get a bit of fuel from this, saying we got a little win, yeah. we could do more? I understand. It's a bit like they've set the agenda now. Yes. Yeah, and it's bad because it, it, what does that mean for future books? Mm. You know, and, and that's the thing with being a broadcaster. You've probably felt this yourself. 
You say something, it creates a shitstorm. There's a controversy. A sponsor maybe pulls out. Mm. Your bosses know that what you said is fine, mm. but they start to go that heat. Yes. It's tiring. Yes. Do we do we gain much from that? Yeah. Not really. Like maybe we sold 100 extra whatevers. Mm-hmm. So big deal. Mm. Fuck off. Yeah. So that, that sort of agenda setting is dangerous, but I think that what we need to see going forward is what I like to call corporate courage mm-hmm. or corporate cowardice. Mm-hmm. So where a corporation can say, yeah, th- this is a, ca- a campaign by nutbags who hate yes. trans people yes. who are the most inoffensive group of people I know. <laughs> who've gone through hell themselves know, on a personal awful. level and do not need any more heat. So let's go after those people. No. So they're, they're, the cookers have no credibility. The corporations need to show corporate courage. Yes. So, so do you think that them taking it from the shelves, though, is showing corporate courage? I think keeping it online was showing corporate courage. Yes. The fact that they made a ton mm. of money from it, that's also like the reward for showing some courage. Yes. And I think they've, they've had the moral victory. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to watch the conversation turn. There was an article in the Saturday paper, just been, where they clearly drew a line between cooker culture, so people who are scared of Wi-Fi. Because call them cookers. <laughs> some sort of some, like specific term, like yeah. it's equal to like Republicans. Yeah, like, yeah. Cooker culture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anti-vax, <laughs> anti-Wi-Fi, and anti-trans. It's this sort of a Venn yeah. diagram, and sometimes it's a circle. Yeah, um, often. Who were behind this campaign against the book? So th- there's no credibility there, and mm. once you kind of understand that, I think that the corporations can show more corporate courage. Yes, of course, and yeah, it, you're right. Them having it online is it's it's something mm. I just think that these people feel like they've won but also they haven't won at all because I think the book sold much more in the past month right hasn't it yeah so really number one on Amazon right now yeah <laughs> number one I yeah. mean look people are still buying the book there were certain parts of the book that they really were obsessed with mm. I think one of those was anal yep oral sex fingering <laughs> um <laughs> 69. Is this a menu? <laughs> Making me hungry. Yeah, what do you want? Just a little checklist. <laughs> Anal, oral, think, okay, think, if you have I mean, all these things take out of context, but one in particular, I think, I believe some people had an issue with the Size Matters page that mm. was actually dispelling a myth. That size matters. That size matters. So it was size does not matter. It's like the, you know, the comprehensions or nuance levels are just at an absolute zero of the cookers. Mm. But how frustrating is it to have pages like size does not matter very clearly on the page and then going on about, you know, how that is. She's saying that size matters. It's, it's, I don't know, how how do you even begin to explain that or do you not begin? You don't, you don't bother. It's evidence of stupidity. Yes. But also, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. In my work at the ABC, I do a podcast called Ladies We Need to Talk. Yes. It's been going for seven years. It's highly researched and it comes out of the science department of the ABC. We've never been called out for being factually incorrect. It's very, very solidly researched. One of the things that we discovered in our episode on anal sex was that a lot of teenagers are doing it. They're not wanting to, but they're being pressured to and they're doing it, they're going in blind. So they've mm. never... More than usual? What do you mean more than usual? Well, like, is it inc- increasing? It's increasing. Really? Yeah. And no one's sort of having conversations with teenagers about, first of all, that you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Yes. That it's not necessarily a L-plates or P-plates sexual act. It might be a bit tertiary. Yes, it's very, yeah, I would agree. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of prep, you know. <laughs> yes. Of steps to go into it. Steps, but yeah. also experience, knowing how to say no, knowing yes. how to call time. Yes. Lots of different things. And then, I mean, it's tricky to talk about, right, but just to understand that pleasure can be had mm. through anal sex, but there's ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be probably getting any pleasure if you do it like a porn star. Yes. So... It was shocking to do that episode of Ladies We Need to Talk and kind of unfurl how many women are having unpleasurable, kind of violent, very gross mm-hmm. anal sex that, yes. they, that they do not want and they have no education around it. Yes. So let's have a frank conversation yes. about it. That was brought up in Senate Estimates, ABC Anal wow. Sex. Wow, I yeah. love that. Isn't that wonderful? So good. So good. <laughs> It's not good, but it's always like, God, can Jesus. we just be real about it? Like, yes. is it better to pretend that they're not doing doesn't it? doesn't exist. This is the thing. The, the, the backlash on elements of this book and saying that it, it's, a, it's a grooming book, I think 
It's impossible for me to see that it's it's the it's the complete opposite mm. of that. It's arming children with education. I was saying to Oscar before, it, it isn't just about, I mean, there's an element of this of protecting them so they know what the words are for things if they are being groomed or molested mm. or they are suffering or, or being sexually assaulted by someone who's their own age. Um, but it's also just making sure that they understand, yeah, how to have pleasurable sex because, you know, the first... 10 years of sex for particularly AFAB people, the people, you know, people that grew up as women, is really, or queer people, is really difficult and really scary. Mm. And I think that the more education, the easier it is people to have conversations with their friends about it when they're 14 because you don't want to talk to your fucking mum about it or you don't no. about it. Like, <laughs> I think that it isn't just about protecting kids in that really stern, extreme way of making sure they aren't being molested, but also making sure that they are understanding what good sex is so that they can be 21 and having decent sex yeah. and not thinking that it's, it's a joy that someone asked to do anal and wanted to go slow with it that wasn't just like, oh, yeah, can I stick it in your ass? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big tangent. I want, I want to speak on the benefits of this book because lack of sex education doesn't make sex go away. No, it doesn't. And I've said this again and again, but the more sex education young people have, the the later in their lives they start actually having sex. Just back to that idea of, you know, educating about sex. <laughs> One of the things that, w that the book tries to do as an overall concept is kind of show people how optional sex is. So mm. so we, we've been given a script. It's a sexual script. There's kissing and making out. There's mm. boob fondling. There's hands down the pants. There's oral and then there's penetrative sex and, whoa, you're done. Another checklist. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> you're going tick, tick. Yeah, and like it's, it. I mean, it's mirrored in that basis idea, first base and so mm. on. Yes. But for a lot of people, queer people, <laughs> but just whatever people, they might just really like, lying down and kissing for ages, yes. you know, and that might be incredible for them. Mm -hmm. And there might be all the fulfilment they want in the world mm -hmm. from that. But because we've been indoctrinated with this hierarchy of we must perform these mm -hmm. steps in order to be sexual, we go through with these things that we might not actually be into at all. And that's the ultimate goal that's always. the ultimate goal. So, so the book is trying to explain there are all these things and you don't have to do any of them, but you might want that one. Mm. Or you might want to experiment with that one, mm -hmm. but you don't have to do any of those things. The other thing about, you know, sex ed and young people, the feedback I've been getting from women in particular has been, I wish I had this book when I was 10 and that might have stopped some of this stuff. Yes, that, happening to me that happened to me. That that's that's exactly how how I feel. Mm. That sex education in primary school for me, I mean, it wasn't god awful. And I, I went to a Catholic school for high school, and I went to a state school for primary school. So it actually wasn't considering that I was in a Catholic school run by nuns. It it was fairly good. Mm. It wasn't amazing. It was very heteronormative, and it was very much just almost a line of defence, not a understanding of what is what sex actually is or what it can be. Like you said, that like rolling around with someone can be a very pleasurable sexual experience and doesn't have to end in penetration. But when you're talking from a line defensive, okay, well, just this is how sex works. Penis in vagina, <laughs> straight people only. Yeah. Um, and, and it's almost just like they don't get pregnant. <laughs> and it's like, fuck, okay, get on the pill. It's like, fuck, okay, cool, all right, we're on the pill, you know. <laughs> At least acknowledge this, the existence of the fucking pill. <laughs> or the morning arts pill does this. You can know, you know, hear what's abortions are this. And you're like, fuck me. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes it more, I don't know, goal-oriented almost. When you're 14, you think, like, it's it's the cool, mature thing to do because mm. that, that is the pinnacle of sex. Like you said, with the base system, you're like, well, if, I'm only, if I've only ever done oral, then therefore I'm not quite yeah. as mature as everyone else. Yeah. But if you're understanding that that is all part of sex and that oral sex is sex, is sex, then you're able to, I guess, kind of linger there for a bit longer. Yes. And enjoy and isn't it isn't that a nice idea to linger in the spots that you like? Linger in oral. I honestly, I'm <laughs> fine with it. Like I, I'm totally happy with it. I mean, since having queer sex, I, um, you know, it's really <laughs> obvious to you when you have queer sex that it isn't just about racing to the end. Right, Lem? Yeah. <laughs> My lesbian producer. Yes, it's not. It, it's uh, two hours long sometimes. It's beautiful. But actually, I have to say, when you guys were talking about the book and how good it is for kids, there's also a part left in this discussion that it's also good for parents because mm -hmm. yes. I started reading for like my nine and 11 year old 
sex books and things like that, uh, sex ed, obviously, what I realized is that I had internalized shame. And as oh. I was reading, because I think it's all about the delivery and the context and the kid. And when I was reading, I was reading like, and the clitoris is this part. And I was like, you know, withdrawing. Mm. And the more I lent, lent into the text and just became factual, I was able to navigate. I mean, you know how open I am sexually, but for yeah. some fucking reason. That's why I'm sorry my face is going. Well, because I, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's a first, t- like we're the first generation potentially to be reading about ejaculation <laughs> and mm. all of these things to kids. like Proactively doing it Proactively well. doing it and all these details, there's books that are coming out. And the thing is, is that you also can't just do it once. Like it has to be a repeated instance, like sex ed, right? Like I read it one time when they're seven and then when they're nine mm-hmm. and when they're 11 mm-hmm. and every time they get different information. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue as well as people think it's like, yeah, I read the book. I'm all good. But it's also like you also need to learn how to talk about this to the kid. And what better than to do that with scientists and all these people that wrote this, this thing, mm-hmm. right? But actually, I did think about one thing that like one of your beginning posts, I think, that sparked all of this mm. is you said, it's good for a mature eight-year-old. And that sent people. So how do you explain mm. to people the nuance of different children and different understanding of sex even? Mm. And then you kind of said 10 to 15. Where is that line, according to experts as well, that you're, you're working with? We talked constantly about that, where the, where the age lines are, mm. because even though it is a fluid idea about when you're ready, mm. parents will still ask, you know, I've got a 12-year-old, is it okay for them to mm. read the book? And so we, so we wanted to be able to answer, but also have some caveats in mm. that. It depends on the kid. But you make a really good point about, say, a 14-year-old boy mm. is going to be so interested. Right? Mm. all the sex stuff, but an 11-year-old boy is maybe not or maybe they are. I mean, yeah. how do you know? It depends mm. on the kid, right? Mm. The conversations that you're having with an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old are going to be really different. Mm. So this idea that there's one combo to have with, you know, your kid and then you're done and dusted, mm. see you later, we'll never talk yeah. about it All again. Right, see, am I, yeah, uh, that's not. really, it's really wrong. It's almost like a like a fortnightly, monthly check-in there would also be different points in kids' lives where they want to know about different things. Absolutely. They might, they'll hear about oral and you can go, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, here it goes. It's like, like tattered by the time you're like, fuck, here we go. All right, yep. Yeah, like they'd be different. They will be in, interested in different things, totally, right? yeah. And, and that's what one of the educators said was that she goes to the same schools every year and teaches the same groups of kids, but they're mm. now a year older. Mm. She'll touch on some stuff and they'll all have be hearing it for the first time, even though she talked about it the previous year, mm. because they just weren't ready. Yes. And the, a fear that you, I've been getting from parents, and I get it, is oh, they're too young, it's going to put ideas into their heads. And the fact is, if they're not ready, it seems to just slip by. Yeah. As, as well, I think, I mean, I was masturbating from when I was six. This is a well-known fact on the podcast. How did you know about it? No, no, How did you know rub- that you were masturbating? Because I was just like, ooh, this feels good, and I had no idea I was masturbating. Well, in hindsight, I know that. Yeah. I wasn't like, I'm, in, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. stimulating my clitoris. <laughs> Six <laughs> thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow, this masturbation session went really well. <laughs> my rich climax. Like I was just rubbing against a couch. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pillow for me, yeah. yeah I was pumping a pillow. Like, you know, like, it, I don't think I was cognizant that I was masturbating. But in hindsight, you know, I have been masturbating, I think, climax since, since I was six or seven. <laughs> mm. And I was a very early developed kid. Like on a period when I was 10, I had C-cup boobs in grade five. Like I was very early developed. So I think that would be, you know, it would have been useful for me at age eight. But someone else who hasn't had any experiences like that and, they, you know, I have friends who when I say that, they're like, I didn't masturbate until I was 24. Wow. And I go, Whoa. I go, whoa. <laughs> I almost faint. I'm like convulsing. <laughs> but those two ends of the spectrum, right? Totally. But you should know your, know your own child. Yes. Is that the... The lesson. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I am yeah, asking. Yeah, I guess. yeah, definitely. I mean, I was masturbating pretty young as well. Mm. I was definitely not talking to to my mum about that. No, no. Never. So she's not going to know that this is a thing in my life. No. But but I think hopefully she does know that I'm mature, or I read a lot, or I'm interested. I took a few little kids to the movies, and there was a scene um, where it was hinted at experiments on women's body parts. 
Okay. Now, one kid completely went by them and the other kid was like, what was that scene about? And really wanting to unpack it. Right. So just some kids get it and some kids don't. You have mm-hmm. to be, a, you know, a barometer of mm-hmm. what's appropriate. When I've got two older kids as well, one's 21 and one's 19. Mm-hmm. And when they, they one time said, okay, mum, I want to hear about how lesbians do it. And I said, well, here's what I get. Here's what I can give you mm-hmm. in terms of information. And I started to talk about it. I remember we were driving over the Anzac Bridge in Sydney and I was about to hang a right and she put up her hand and said, okay, stop. <laughs> she didn't want to know anymore. Okay, right. She was like, she's like, okay, what, what did you get up to? What was the point? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know. going, and then, the, in, <laughs> you know, scissoring isn't as common as you think, but it can be pleasurable. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> so overrated, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, like, the kids will set their boundaries too. So they'll say, like, yeah. I don't want to keep going or whatever. And you can just see them tune out. They just lose interest if they're not ready to hear it. Yeah, and, and children are watching porn. This is the other thing. If they're not going to get the education from a book like this that is mm. safe and that parents can manage and they can they can make sure that this is the information they want to be showing to their children or reading to their children, they're going to get it from porn. They're going to think that all lesbians do is scissor and <laughs> and scream and squirt spontaneously. And have long fingernails. Yeah, yeah. They have no idea about the, the two being cut off, you know what I mean? They're yeah. The real world. Yeah. Just to like clarify as well, when you said kids watching porn, the conversation did an article about like off of the backlash and all of that saying that 53% of 11 to 16 year olds had watched porn most before the age of 14. And I think this is what... The parents don't know. Yes. They're like, oh, I don't know. They're not. I'm like, you're giving them a fucking iPad. What do you think they're going to be doing that with that? If they want to search something, they can. Yeah. And then what are you going to do? If they've seen some, uh, you know, cartoons and some understanding and a neutral setting where it was explained, and then they see whatever video they were curious with, mm. I think the effect of that video is going to be very different. I think as well it might make it less taboo or naughty. If you've had your mum read the book about yeah. fingering to you, yeah. you're not, maybe you're not going to be as yeah aff- affected, yeah. I can't think for lack of a better word, by seeing porn. You won't yeah. absorb it as much mm. m- maybe. Mm. Is that – would you agree – with that, I, th- I think one of the reasons the book came out was because because of the effects of porn, there was no counterpoint. Yes, like all our kids are getting you know influenced by porn. They're getting educated. They think that porn is sex, right? So what's the counterpoint? We mm. need something else to offer, mm. and that was what the book was trying to do. Whether or not porn can be offset if you get the book first, I don't have any science on that, so oh, yeah, I can't sorry. answer. But I would say um, from experience as a parent and one who's talked to a lot of teens interviewing them for books like these, everybody has had that formative experience where someone's older brother, mm-hmm. someone who you considered safe, showed you, it was often a good friend, mm. showed you something that shook you to your core and mm. really really sort of almost rearranged your, your DNA in, mm. in your brain around sex. Mm. And I don't think it's easy for parents to prevent that from happening for their kids. Yes. It happens, right? You go to a friend's house, you can't control what they're showing your child on mm. screens. It just happens. And it's often not malicious yeah. or even perverted. It's just little kids going, have you seen, have you seen, have you seen this? Like, blow, let's blow our mind. I mean, honestly, two girls, one cup was going around when I was in like grade seven. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen it either. Oh, I haven't either. Don't say hot. <laughs> I've heard that enough times to rightly go. Guess what? I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, I don't I know, need to. I know what happened. I've got I've got the spark notes. I don't, I don't need to watch the two girls one cut. But oh yeah, Oscar, go. Oh sorry, Yumi. I was just going to ask. Mm. I'm obsessed with how this is all unfolded. Like I've looked at yep. the dates that the book was released, and then at all the controversy. So 17th of May, the book gets released, and it's not until a month afterwards that all this controversy just exploded. What do you think the reason is for that? Is it, did it kind of stem from a particular video that got posted Mm. to social about Big W and then? I think it's because cookers read really slowly. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I like about Yumi Stein. (laughs) I'd like to, um, (laughs) what I don't want to do. Title of the episode. (laughs) Is, what I don't want to do is give more oxygen to the cookers, yeah. particularly the, the the really gross ones who have posted videos to YouTube and, and gotten a huge yep. response. They love it. They, I don't think that 
getting the book banned or not is a particular motive. I think getting clicks mm. and likes and stirring up reactions, emotional reactions in people is, is what motivates mm. them. Um, I think that they're thirsty losers. Mm. Um, if I had to characterise the two sort of yeah. driving forces be- behind the, the book burning, mm. I would, that's how I would characterise them, yeah. thirsty for attention, losers. Losers. I love losers and insult, by the way. It's a good I love one, weirdo as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit weird. of a weirdo. Yeah, but we can use weirdo and like, oh, fuck, we-. my mum goes, what a weirdo thing to do. You know, <laughs> she goes, what are you doing? Yeah, you know? I think creepy's worse. No, creepy is the worst. Yeah. Someone called me creepy the other day and I went, calm the fuck down. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, you're being creepy. <laughs> I don't know. But it was like kind of flat harder, but I was like, Pin that, use that, to use that to really get to someone. Like I was like, that, I was like, it wasn't, it was kind of like a louder banter, but you're a fucking creep. It's like, whoa, like you feel in your body. Yeah, I think the, the the YouTube guy, I would take advice on protein powders. Yeah, from him and liver, and maybe liver. um maybe spray tan advice. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't be taking sex ed or parenting advice from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why yes. are they so obsessed with, like, things that affect kids, though? This is something that I've always wondered. Like, why is it always about the children? And it's like there's this cutoff point between 18 and younger. Mm, and yeah. it's like anything below 18. And it's like, what, if it's an 18-year-old with one day, you're going to stop protecting them? Like, what's your line? Why is there this obsession with, with children? I think it's because they can say the word pedophile or groomer and they can get traction in the media. Mm. And mm. once you mention that, then all bets are off. And the more you defend yourself by saying, I'm not a groomer, yep. it, the, the, then you perpetuate that word associated with your name totally. and you can't really defend yourself. And, and, and also you can't prove a negative and there's all these, you can't prove that you're not doing that. And they can say, well, this is our evidence that you're a groomer. And they can use that to perpetuate their anti-trans. Um, it is a lot of anti-trans and anti-queer rhetoric. I think that's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I did have some heartfelt discussions about this because uh, the, there are the thirsty losers who are kind of spearheading this campaign, but behind them are people who are just pretty ordinary, like they're pretty much like me, mm. a mum of kids who's, who has fear. Mm. I fear for my kids. I want them to be safe. I want them protected from predatory people. Mm. I want them protected from like rank influences. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was massaging my fear gland and whipping it up, Mm. I can understand why people are having this big reaction of of terror, of almost a violent need to protect your child. Mm. So I don't really blame those kind of on-ground mums and dads who are like, well, Yumi's not safe for our kids or whatever. Like, that we're all busy. We don't have time to do our research. Yeah. We're just following one charismatic cooker mm-hmm. who's really into his <laughs> protein powder, yeah. right? And yeah. and he sa- it sounds legit. So mm. let's get real. Let's really react. Yeah. Let off some steam. She seems small and Asian and <laughs> right, like a rightful person to pun- yeah. punch into, yes. right? So we'll we'll get amongst it and mm. you know enjoy enjoy being part of the mob. Mm-hmm. In an interview, I also heard you say that it isn't predominantly actual parents who are who are having this backlash it's these far right people mm. i mean I, I guess how do you feel about that it's a shit question but like it's does that make it more infuriating i don't that know they're not they're not actually they don't have any actual skin in the game i don't know who these people are i think it's a i, I think it's a melange of mm. people some are just legit people worried some are mm. you know childless I don't, I don't think I don't have a judgment on that mm. I think like just a little bit think before you react think before you threaten to kill somebody maybe just have a bit of a thought to yeah it. run it by yeah. your bestie yeah I want to send somebody a death threat what do you think of this yeah. <laughs> you like this wording yeah thoughts yeah the grandma put it put it through an AI chat chat GDP <laughs> your death threat your before. whatsapp yeah. group yeah just have yeah. a check guys <laughs> That's Yumi's advice. On to positive things about the book before we finish. Yeah. What do you think are the most important messages from the book? Because flipping through, Mm. I mean, I love that there's conversations about vulvas looking different. I love that there's conversations about um, medical professionals and how to speak to medical professionals. What do you think are the most valuable lessons? I'm I'm sure it's hard to decide, Mm. but what do you think are the ones that need the most for early teenagers and and kids? One is... 
that we there was a big survey done of Australian school kids. Basically, about half of kids leave school having never had sex. Mm. So if you're there in school going, I feel like a weirdo, nobody wants to, you know, have sex mm. with me, why can't I get anybody to touch my private part? Yeah. <laughs> so horny. Me That's, at all times. Yeah, and, <laughs> me during COVID. Totally. So just to be reassured, actually, do you know what? You're probably in the majority there. Yes. And something amazing is going to happen when school finishes, which is that you find your people. Mm. They're easier to find when you leave school because mm-hmm. you start to enter places you want to be. School yes. is just like the factory. Yes. You're on the factory setting, you leave school and then you start to unfurl and it's a beautiful thing to find mm-hmm. your tribe. Mm-hmm. It's such a joy and, and I think that sense of scarcity, mm-hmm. if I don't have sex now, I will never have sex. Mm-hmm. Nobody will ever, ever, ever yep. think of me. Yes. I'm going to die. <laughs> I did have these thoughts, actually. <laughs> and it's so normal and so common, so I think there can be a sense of urgency. If you get a body who's hot for you and you're hot for them to kind of tick everything off immediately. Yes. So one of the things the book really says is, first of all, this that scarcity idea mm. is bullshit. There's people everywhere who want to have sex mm-hmm. with you and you will find them and they will find you and life is long. Yes. So l- just cool it, right? Yeah. And enjoy where you're at. And go at the pace where you feel safe. And we talk through some ways to take a moment for yourself to check in. Mm. And I think checking in is something we should do well into old age. Yes. And I describe it as having a mental pat down. So, you know, when you go, where are my ciggies? Yeah. <laughs> where's, my, where's my lighter? Yeah. <laughs> where's my vape? No, yeah. you're just going, where are my keys? Where are my, where yeah. are my sunnies? Or whatever. But you're sort of almost mentally patting down, am I okay? Do I like this? Am I scared? What, what's my reaction? Mm-hmm. Do I feel like I'm allowed to say no? Could I call stop at any time? Mm-hmm. And understanding that that is your right in mm-hmm. any intimate situation. Mm-hmm. And to maybe start doing that when you're by yourself, having self-pleasure, solo mm-hmm. time. And then when that comes in with another person, to, how to exchange that with them to kind of go, are you okay? Mm. Is this safe for you? Is this fun for you? Is there anything that we could do differently to make it better? So having those dialogues with um, self-consent and mm. consent with another person, it's like it's so hot. And it makes sex so much better. <laughs> I explained this to you. So self-consent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I was actually, I, I think it's interesting I'm now in my late 20s, so all of my friends are late 20s, early to mid 30s. And we were having drinks a few weeks ago and all of us were speaking about um, what sex was like in our early 20s. And I think this book may change this a bit. (laughs) I I would hope so because in your early 20s or late teens, early 20s, sex is this. For hetero cis people, it is as follows. You get home, you make out for a bit, they grab your tits, they like face fuck you for a little bit. What's Mm. face fucking? Like <laughs> With a dick. The dick. Yeah. The dick Face fuck. That's dun, very dun, dun. that sounds very unwelcome to me. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yumi says no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No to face fucking. No, from Yumi. That, that's, and that's a boundary that you're able to set, Yumi. You checked in with yourself and you said, no, face fucking, thank you. Um, but, you know, you give them head and and then you get penetrated vaginally mm-hmm. and then they come and you're lying there going, oh, you know, that was shit. Sex is so bad for women. And then it perpetuates this idea that is in society that women don't like sex mm. and that it can't be enjoyable and that it's a real, you're, you've almost won the lottery. If you have an amazing sex life as a woman, it's like, wow, you enjoy fucking your partner? And someone that I know that's 21 recently had like a one night stand with someone who was 27 and she was like, oh my God, it was crazy. I'd be like, he ate me out until I came. <laughs> and I was Standards. Like, and I went, how many times? Like, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, like he just kept going until I came. Like it was like half an hour. And I was like, yeah, that's like. How long it takes? Are, are you okay? I was like, have you not come? And she's like, well, like, yeah, like if I like essentially like masturbate while someone else is inside me, like I can make myself come mm. and someone's there as well. But mm-hmm. like no one had ever put in the time and effort to make her have an orgasm. And at my live show, I had at every show I kind of interacted like, who's who's 21 here? <laughs> and I go, it gets better, babe. So I'm like, do they do this thing where they you go home, they make out with you, they grab your tits, you, they face fuck you, then they're like, yeah, I'm like, guys, don't worry, you'll get eaten out eventually. Like, <laughs> but, but it took, it, I'm like, keep on trucking. Like, it's okay. But it took until I was in my, you know, I mean, I was pretty lucky with it because I had a very sexual and very, you know, pleasure-based boyfriend when I was 23. 
who made me feel okay about my vulva and and who, you know, would focus on my pleasure. And But if I didn't have him, I don't, I'm not sure that I'd be having the sex that I'm having even even now. Mm. I probably would still be until I was 30 or, you know, until you're really into adulthood. It's only when you start to have genuinely pleasurable sex. And I think that this book is so amazing, I think, first and foremost, in protecting kids and, and, def- and defending kids from, you know, things that can be traumatic. But I think as well it arms young adults the young adults are going to become with pleasure-based sexual interactions, not obligation-based mm-hmm. and not um, like going through the motions mm. almost, which I think is so important. It makes me so sad. Think about all these 20-year-olds out there that are just getting face-fucked and pretending to come. And it's also good for the men who later on become men yes, who are thinking about the opposite, whoever it is, the other person's pleasure, yes. right? Because that's going to make sexuality in a way where it becomes pleasurable for everyone and consent as well. Like I'm talking about an ideal world here, but it is also that we want men to listen a little bit in the, in the bedroom or kitchen or wherever you like to fuck. And also I think to have permission to, for for men in cis hetero situations, for men to have permission to derive pleasure from giving pleasure Mm. which I think isn't very common in society for people to accept that yeah and one of the things I've heard from mums of teenage boys is this terror around sex you know I mean they're so horny they're so up for it Mm. but they're also really unsure and unsteered there's no Mm. there's no steerage Mm -hmm. one question that's come up to mums of teenage boys is I don't want to choke her or I don't want to slap her like do I have to do that? Yeah. So the normalising yeah. of these things that yeah. that young girls are not asking for, they don't mm-hmm. want, but they the boys are not given any other information about what they want, so they're following these porn scripts. Yes. And it's a really bad bedding in of some bad habits. Yes. And girls not knowing either, and so just going along with it as well. Yes. So, yeah, what you're saying about trying to centre your own pleasure, trying to get in touch with what you like mm. and then finding somebody that you can safely explore that with, mm. you know, in a consensual way with dialogue because everybody is different. And consent is really hot. You can do it, you know, I've never, I mean, I, I understand, but I, saying to someone, I want you to do this, 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 I mm. want you to finger me mm-hmm. and then what else is in Yumi's book? I also want <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I should just do this. And I'm, and I'm, all right, it's a little like it's like a spinning wheel. I'm like, and today we're going to do oh oral sex on a penis. That's what, that's what today's topic. Can we call it that instead of face fucking, yes. please. <laughs> but I think consent, consent not only can be sexy, but is very yeah. sexy, and it's very hot having anticipation. Like yeah. you said with the menu and joking about before, but it's like, been like, what are you up for today? What do you want to do today? Can we go further? Do you want to do you want to pull it back? Did you enjoy last time? Mm. Conversations before and after sex. I think you're really changing the world, you stars. <laughs> I, think, I think you're protecting protecting people and also liberating people to ha- have pleasure, particularly young people that won't have those experiences usually. So. Thank you so much. Thanks, Abby. You're amazing. You're amazing. Oh, I love you, Miss Science. <laughs> Plugs, Yumi. Um, I've got a new cookbook as well. Do you want to see it? Uh, yes. So, guys, I'm sure if you've heard about Welcome to Sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my podcast. <gasps> the Food Fix. Yeah. Okay, real world dinner solutions for the exhausted. Now that... That's fucking useful. Fucking amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Tinned peaches delight. Yeah, yeah. Hassle free oven <laughs> risotto. That's marketing. That's marketing. <laughs> so we've got the food. Fuck. The food fix we love. You just, you just. Literary queen. I know because I thought I'd be safe from the death threats <laughs> if I wrote books. <laughs> and look what's happened. Also, I've got a podcast, ladies. We need to talk. And yes. I know you've got a lot of female listeners. Yes. We need that stuff. It's on the ABC Listen mm-hmm. app. It's wherever you get podcasts. Ladies, we need to talk. Amazing. There's a lot about choking, a lot about anal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So a similar Venn diagram of our audiences. <laughs> <laughs> in a big circle. And the links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Yumi. Listener Production.